0: Welcome back to the Walk the Word podcast. My name is James and I'm the pastor here at SAR Fellowship in the Kingdom of Bahrain. And this is our midweek audio-only Bible teaching. We have had a break for Christmas and New Year and now we are back working through God's Word together one chapter a week. We began all the way back in 2018 or 19, I can't remember with Genesis chapter 1 and today we are continuing in the book of Numbers and we are at Numbers chapter 7. Now as we say each and every week, if you've never read this, if you've no idea what the book of Numbers is about, we did a bit of an introduction. Uh, You can go back and listen to that and as we say every week, if you've never read this chapter, if you've no idea what it's about, go ahead and press pause and read it and then we'll come back together as we seek to know and grow in the Word. Now, Numbers chapter 7 is the longest in the book. It's 89 verses, but really, it's the first kind of 12 ish. 13, 14 verses that we really want to look at, plus the last couple, and then everything else in the middle uh, is very, very formulaic, very, very similar. So the first thing to say is that the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, as we read through them, you might feel like we've talked about these things before, and you're kind of right, because they're organized, they're laid out much more by theme rather than strict uh, chronology so as we read through exodus leviticus numbers we are going to come up to events to times to periods and seasons where we think i've kind of read this a couple of books ago but things have been arranged by topic uh, per book rather than strict this then this then this then that Uh, Like some other books of the Bible. So all of that to say, if you feel like we've talked about this kind of stuff before, you're probably right. So Numbers 7 begins. On the day when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle and anointed and consecrated it with all its furnishings and had anointed and consecrated the altar with all its utensils, the chiefs of Israel heads of their father's houses, who were the chiefs of the tribes, who were over those who were listed, approached and brought their offerings before the Lord, six wagons and 12 oxen, a wagon for every two of the chiefs, and for each one an ox. They brought them before the tabernacle. So again, if you feel like we've kind of talked about this before when things were consecrated and, and set up and And uh, prayed over and offered and and anointed and all that kind of stuff. Yes, we did. Back in Leviticus, around chapters 8, 9, and 10, we did talk about this before. But in the context of Numbers, uh, we're now going to revisit this event. Uh, again, so we see, first thing here, first few verses, we've got this, this huge offering from the chiefs of Israel, the heads of the father's houses, the 12 tribes. We've got six wagons and 12 oxen. Uh, it's not a very commonly used word that we would read here as wagon. Uh, they weren't particularly common among the community. So for them to be uh, bringing six to the tabernacle as an offering, uh, it's a very costly, very special offering and 12 oxen. As well, uh, could have been used for many, many other things in this place at that time. So this is generous giving. And then we read in verse five, uh, God is speaking to Moses and He says, "Accept these from them, that they may be used in the service of the tent of meeting." So the most, pri- almost kind of the most prized possessions of the community, are given to the tabernacle to be used in that service. And uh, give them to the Levites, the priests who are going to look after this place and this space, to each man according to his service. Now we talked about this uh, a few weeks back, didn't we, in uh, around chapter 3 of Numbers. Each family, each tribe was given a, quite a particular job to do. So the the carts, the wagons are given out, distributed according to the tribes that need them. And we read very interestingly in verse number nine, but to the sons of Kohath, he gave none because they were charged with the service of the holy things that had to be carried on their shoulders, on the shoulder, maybe your Bible says. Why weren't they given a cart? Well, if their job is to specifically carry things by hand, to bear the weight of it personally, and you give them a cart, that's given them the temptation to disobey, to sin, and to kind of, take a shortcut uh, in what God has charged them with. So rather than it being mean or cutting them out kind of thing, it's actually very kind to them to not give them a cut because then there is no temptation for them uh, to sin and to fall short of what they've been charged to do. And then as this chapter progresses, verse 10 tells us the chief offered offerings for the dedication of the altar on the day it was anointed. And the chiefs offered their offering before the altar. And the Lord said to Moses, they shall offer their offerings one chief each day for the dedication of the altar. And then verses 12 all the way through to about 87, verse 88, verse 88 is a uh, 12 times repetition of uh, what they gave and you can read through it. Uh, They all offer the same, which means nobody is better, nobody is worse, nobody's offering more, nobody's offering less, Uh, nobody is seen to be uh, more generous or more stingy, a bit less generous, nobody is is showing themselves to be richer and of more means. Everybody's offering the same. Uh, Each tribe And their giving and their offerings matters to God. And uh, loved equally, they give equally. And so if you'd like to to hit pause and to read through these verses, uh, feel free. But they are very, very uh, formulaic. So each tribe, each uh, head of the tribe brings a silver plate whose weight was about 130 shekels. A shekel was just an ancient um, unit of measure. And I think from memory, it's about... Is it 10 or 13 grams? I'm just going to hit pause and have a look. And we're back. Yep, A shekel is about 10 to 13 grams. So each plate probably weighed about... Uh, three pounds, a couple of kilos. Uh, There's a silver plate, uh, one silver basin, 70 shekels. Um, They're both full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one golden dish of 10 shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats and five male lambs a year old. Now, again, you can read and uh, and see that each of the 12 tribes brings the same. And very, very obviously reading this uh, very full list, this is generous giving. Like, uh, Yes, we're talking about tribes and uh, of numerous people, uh, but the silver, the gold, the flour, the animals, uh, this is generous giving. So as... The people are now coming into the promised land and they're setting up uh, their society and their life. And we've talked about where the tabernacle was and how they're arranged around it. The pattern for promised land people, the pattern for redeemed people, which is what God's people in this place at this time were. The pattern for redeemed people who live with God at the center of their life is a generous giving and again as we've said this is the same Uh, we go through it 12 times over the the next 12 days and the chapter finishes uh, in verse 89 and when Moses went to the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim and it spoke to him And there's a couple of significant things here just in the very last verse. So we've gone through this long 12-day process of offerings, of dedications, of generous giving. And we see that uh, when Moses goes into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat. Uh, It spoke to him. Now this shows us, this tells us that Moses has not been led by his feelings of, of, of God, his own understanding of, well, I think God is like this, uh, so therefore I should behave like that, and I should ask the people to do this, and they should stop doing that. He's not led by his own understanding of God, he's not led by his own feelings towards God and the life that God is asking his people to live. He is led by the very voice of God. So how does that look for you and me uh, living now in 2023? Does God still speak audibly into our lives? Yeah, I believe uh, that he can and that he does. It's not something for us to claim very, very lightly. Uh, Deuteronomy talks very clearly about people who claim to have a, a message from God. Uh, if if they don't, <laughs> the, uh, the punishment, the consequence uh, is very, very severe. I'll let you go and find out what that is. Uh, so does God still speak audibly? Uh, Into our lives Yeah I believe that he can I believe that he does Uh, We're not going to put limits On on what God can do But we need to remember That in this place And at this time They didn't have This canonised book This uh, divinely inspired And preserved book Of internally flawless Scripture That we carry now So was it more common for God to audibly speak to leaders of the people in this place and at this time? Yeah, I believe that it, it most likely was. Because they didn't carry a Bible around like we can. And we've talked about the Bible before. We have we often refer to Scripture as this uh, flawless, perfect self-revelation of God. It tells us all about who he is, uh, his heart towards us, his mind for us. And the life that He desires that we live, what He's done to provide that for us—the redemption and offer, the forgiveness, the, all of that great stuff—we carry with us day by day, either as a physical book that we that we read, or now even easier, most of us, probably all of us now, uh, carry a phone in our pocket on which we can read the Bible in hundreds, thousands of languages and so I think people often wish and it's not a bad thing but they wish I wish God would speak to me audibly like he did to Moses I wish God would speak into this situation and those same people seldom read the Bible which is God's word to us of himself about life about how we should live what we should do you know, Paul writes to Timothy and says that the, the, the Bible is just is so useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, so that God's people lack nothing when they're looking for advice, for wisdom, for counsel on how to live in any and all situations. And so it's kind of ironic that the same people who, yes, I wish God would speak to me about this, I just don't know what to do, uh, have not cracked their Bibles open uh, in a long, long. Time. So yes, does God still speak audibly into our lives? Yeah, absolutely, 100% believe that he can and he does. It's not something that we should claim lightly. Oh, God told me that. But I think now, more often than the audible voice is his written word to us. That is uh, self-explanatory, it's quite clear. He's put people in your life whose uh, purpose Whose, whose mission, whose ministry is to open it to you, to teach it, to preach it, to explain it, to apply it. So the resource is there, the people are there. And the ultimate person, the ultimate resource for, for how scripture looks in real life is, of course, Jesus. The word become flesh. So if we're kind of, I wish God would speak into this situation. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to to react, what to choose, what to avoid. I would encourage you to go to scripture to find uh, an example of it in there to see how God uh, views the situation. How he feels about the situation. What he says about the situation. I would encourage you to go to a trusted person in your church family who understands scripture Maybe somebody who's given, uh, who has the the time given to study, to teach, to preach Scripture, somebody who knows Scripture uh, very very well, and ultimately, alongside all of those practical steps, I would really encourage you to look to the person of Jesus, the Word become flesh. So, if we're struggling with, I wish God would speak to me, and I don't know what to do in X, Y, and Z situation, look at what Jesus did in those situations. No, he didn't face the the self-same situations that you and me find ourselves in. He didn't live in 2023, but Hebrews tells us that we don't have a saviour, an advocate. We don't have a God. Uh, Jesus isn't, so detached from our lives that he doesn't know what we're going through. Uh, Again, Hebrews tells us he's been tempted in all the same ways. He's faced all the same kinds of situations. Maybe not all the finer details. Uh, He didn't have bank accounts, phones, visas, financial. He didn't have a lot of those particular problems, but the, the, the kinds of problems, the kinds of issues, the kinds of situations that have us run into God, saying, I wish you would speak into the situation. I will absolutely guarantee you, you'll find an example and an answer on the pages of Scripture and in the person of Jesus. Next week then, we will get into Numbers chapter 8. We'll talk about the cleansing of the Levites, the priests, and uh, the retirement of the Levites. But until then, God bless.